Well, my name is Tim, and I get the honor of serving as, as one of the spiritual leaders here at Central Christian Church, and we're, we're again, just honored that you would, would join us. Uh, one thing we say here often is that we are imperfect people in progress, and so welcome to the family. We, we hope you come to find this place to be your home, and the whole reason that we exist is to help people find and follow Jesus, and that's one thing I love about this series that we're currently in. It's all, all just centered around Jesus, who he is, what he did, and how we can know him Better, And this has been our theme verse throughout this series. It's found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says this, you'll, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophies. Instead, I deliber- deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus, who he is, and then Jesus, and what he did, Jesus crucified. And I, I just love this series because... Because Jesus wants you to know him. It's vital, uh, not only for this side of eternity, but certainly for, for the, the, re- the eternity to come, uh, that you know, just know God, that we know him. And so we just want to get to know him better. So we're not trying to impress anybody. We're just keeping it plain and simple, uh, Jesus and who he is and what he did. And one thing uh, that's true of Jesus, it's true of who he is, is that he is the good shepherd. There are eight statements, eight I am statements that Jesus makes in the gospel of John. And one of them is this statement that he he is, he's the good shepherd. A matter of fact, here it is in John 10, 10, it says, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so you just need to know that you have a very real enemy and his objective is to, to steal, to kill, to bring destruction into your life. And the challenge with that is he makes those lures look super attractive and we can bite into those, but, but ultimately it leads to destruction Uh, But you also need to know that you have a good shepherd, that you have a God who's for you. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then he makes this interesting statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture, this, this shepherd sheep imagery. Uh, Peter, 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4 says this. It says, be shepherds of God's flock under your care. So he takes this, this turn. He says, as God is your shepherd, we are invited in turn to shepherd, shepherd people. And, and this verse is actually talking about spiritual leaders in the church, but I think it could apply to us today as certainly as dads of caring for our home, but, but all of us lead, all of us shepherd to very in degrees, and it goes on to say, uh, take care of the flock under your care, serving as overseers, spiritual leaders, uh, not because you have to, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples, and that's key, being examples to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd, the one we're ultimately serving, appears, he, you will receive the crown of glory that will never never fade away. It's interesting throughout the Bible how, how God chooses to draw upon this imagery of us being sheep and him being, being the shepherd. And uh, there, there's this guy who uh, has studied, he's actually a, a real life shepherd. He wrote a book on, on sheep and shepherd relationships and what, what, what takes place. But this modern day shepherd uh, wrote this about sheep and I quote, he says, sheep are notorious creatures of habit. Left to themselves, they will follow the same trail until, until it turns into ruts, graze the same hill until it becomes desert waste, pollute the ground until it is corrupt with disease and pesticides, like 
parasites rather. It's, it's gross. Like we're, but that's our condition. This is the human condition. Sheep are followers. Uh, there's, a, uh, where there's a whole flock of sheep traveling and one gets off track. He can, he can lead the whole flock astray. Like you would think like Bob falls off the cliff. Another sheep would say like, where's Bob? Like, let's consider where we're going here. But they don't, they just, they just follow, follow the leader. And again, the Bible indicates that this is your human condition. This is my human condition. It's our story. We are like sheep. We get lost. We follow the crowd into all kinds of pain and mistakes. Uh, We hurt, we fear. But despite our human predicament, the good news is that there is a good shepherd and he takes care of of his sheep. And when the good shepherd begins to lead in our lives, uh, Psalm 23 won't just be something that we read about at memorial services or funerals or dark times in our life. Uh, Psalm 23 was always intended to be your daily experience, my daily experience with, with God. And, and I just want to invite you to, as we read Psalm 23, to, to make note of how personal this is. And my hope by the end of our, our time that you would, if you're not already, you, you would raise your hand and say, you know what, I want to make Jesus my, I want to be the good shepherd of, of my life. Psalm 23 starts off with this. It says, says the Lord is my shepherd. I just want to pause here because this word Lord, it, it, Jewish culture, so, so the Bible, your Bible is written in Hebrew and, and Jewish scribes, whenever they were scribing the Bible, they would come to this word uh, Lord in our English language. The Hebrew word there is Yahweh, but they had so much reverence for, for who God is. The all-powerful God who like, like spoke and, and like the cosmos came into existence. Like he spoke and you, he breathes life into your lungs. Like he, he's this God who, who's orchestrating things seen and things unseen. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He, he's this almighty God. And, and, and Jewish scribes had such reverence for the Lord that they realized they got this glimpse of just how awesome he is. And so whenever they would come and they'd be scribing the name, they would, the, the scribe who was writing this would say, say the, 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 the Lord, like he would, he would take a bath. There was this Jewish ritual. So before he would write the name, the Lord, like, like he, would, he would cleanse himself to make sure there's no sin in his life. He would take inventory. He would say a prayer. Then he would write the word Yahweh. Then he'd go and he'd take another bath because there was such reverence for who God is how powerful he is, how awesome he is. And the psalmist says, yeah, that God, the Lord, he's my shepherd. That God, he's looking over me. The Lord is my shepherd. I, because of who he is, I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. It goes on to say this, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid for you. Like Yahweh, the Lord, you're close beside me. Your rod, your staff, protect and comfort me. It goes on to say, you prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup, it overflows with blessing. And surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I 
will live in the house of the Lord forever. The all-powerful God, Yahweh, the creator of the universe, he, he desires for you to know him on that intimate level where you would be able to say, the Lord, he's, he's not just the shepherd. He's not just, he's not just out there shepherding the cosmos and winding things. No, no, no. He's close to me. He's my shepherd. And when you know the good shepherd, here's what you're also going to know. The few characteristics of who he is, the shepherd, first thing he does, he, he takes care of us. He provides. The good shepherd provides. Check it out in Psalm uh, 23, uh, uh, verse 2. He says, he, he lets me rest in green meadows. He, he leads me beside peaceful streams. Sheep, they, they never rest in green meadows unless they're full, unless they're fully, unless they're fully satisfied. Because if they're not fully satisfied, they're eating green meadows. They're drinking peaceful streams. But when, once you've been fully satisfied, these sheep in the midst of abundance, there's food all around them. They can, they can rest because God has provided everything they, they need. Uh, our son, uh, Drake, he, he's seven years old. He lost a tooth uh, recently. Uh, and uh, actually last week he lost a tooth and the tooth fairy was slacking on their job. And so I don't know if they're just busy with other things, but the tooth fairy didn't show up for several nights in a row. And Drake was kind of getting a little bit perturbed. Like maybe the tooth fairy forgot about me. I don't know what's going on. But Saturday night, tooth fairy came and, and dropped some money under his pillow. And so Sunday, Drake wakes up and he's, he's ready, getting ready for church and he's, he's excited. He's got a fresh $5 bill and he's like, Dad, I think I want to give this to the church. He's like, I want to, I want to give him the offering today. And I was like, wow, buddy, like that's, that's awesome. But you know, like God doesn't ask you to give like everything. He, he says it's only 10%. You need a tithe. Uh, and so, so what's, a, what's 10% of $5? He's like, uh, I help with the math, 50 cents. Yeah, so, so just 50 cents, Drake, that's what you, you should give to the church. And then it'd probably be a good idea to save 10%. So here's 50 cents for you to save. And, and that leaves you, like God gives you four bucks, buddy. Like you can spend four bucks on whatever you want. You can, you can buy an ice cream. We're gonna go on a trip, see grandma. You, you could buy Papa an ice cream. He thinks about it for a little bit. And he goes, no, dad, I, I think I wanna give all $5 to the church. I'm gonna let you buy me some ice cream. <laughs> but he knows, he knows dad takes care of, he knows dad provides. And because he knows dad provides, it allows him the freedom of being generous with what he has. He wasn't, wasn't holding on to it thinking, this is, all, this is all I'm gonna have. No, 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 my dad, you take care of the ice cream. I'm gonna be generous. I think when we know the good shepherd on that level, we know he provides and it gives us the freedom to live a life of, of generosity. We read about this in Philippians chapter four. Uh, Paul writes this, he says, I have received full payment and even more. Uh, Paul's this, this preacher, this, this, this carrier of the gospel, this leader in the church. And he, he says, I'm amply supplied. And, and now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, this, this financial offering for the church. And it says, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And because you've, you've known God as the good shepherd who provides, because you've trusted him on that level, you just need to know that my God, he'll also meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ, to our God and Father 
The, it would be glory forever and ever, amen. I'm just saying the good shepherd, he provides, he takes care of all our needs. He lets us rest in green meadows. He leads us beside peaceful streams. And whenever we, we fully rest in that, it gives us the freedom not only to live this, this satisfied life, but to live a, a generous life because we, we know him for who he is, he provides. The second observation about the good shepherd is that the good shepherd restores. And I don't know about you, but man, I, I love this aspect. I'm like, God, can, I need you to help me in this area. What, he, the psalmist says this in, in Psalm 23, three, he restores my soul. Sometimes in seasons, we just need to let the good shepherd restore our soul. And, and there's no better season than this season right here, right now, to let the good shepherd restore your soul, to breathe some fresh life into our, our soul. It's been said that a change of pace and a change of place can lead to a change of perspective. And that's why we just believe in camps, summer camps. We're excited for our, all of our students going off to camp this week. We're excited for our kids to, to get a camp experience uh, in, in a few more weeks because a change of pace and a change of, of place can lead to a change of perspective. And, and so camps are awesome, but not just because the blob will be there, but because they get to have the table set for God to move in their life. Because ultimately it's not not a camp experience that restores our soul. It's Jesus that restores our soul. But sometimes when we slow down, when we, we put ourselves in a different environment, whether that's camp or vacation or just a weekend away, we can encounter God in a fresh way and it leads to a change of perspective and ultimately it restores our, our soul. Our souls are restored not by simply taking time off, but by spending time in his presence being intentional in his word, hearing from him. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He says, he says, peace, I leave with you. Like, do you need peace in your life? It's found in the presence of Jesus because he's, he's already offering it to you. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Like, it's available. It's, it's, it's yours for the taking. He says, I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled. Like you have a role to play in this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. His peace is available. He, the good shepherd restores our soul. Uh, the third observation, here's what you can expect from the good shepherd is, is for him to lead. Like shepherds, shepherds lead. The good shepherd, he he leads. In different parts of the world, shepherding is still like a, a, a real vocation. Uh, Tiffany and I had the honor of going to Israel uh, a couple years ago. And in Israel, you can still see shepherds shepherding flocks of, of sheep. And sometimes the, the shepherds hang out. And so their, their sheep, they, they intermingle. And you don't really know which one's your sheep, which one's his sheep. But, but something crazy happens. Like the, sheep, the shepherd just gives this call. They're kind of like a yodel or like a, a different call for, for his specific flock. And whenever he calls, the sheep come. It's the craziest thing. Like you can YouTube this and watch some YouTube videos because people, there's YouTube videos where people try to imitate the voice of the shepherd. Like they'll say the same thing. They'll like try to do the same yodel and the sheep just graze. They don't do anything. But then the real shepherd calls and all of a sudden the sheep come, they come running. And Jesus says part of his function as the shepherd is to lead and, and the sheep know his, his voice, they follow, they follow him. Here's what he says in John 10, three through five. He says, says, the sheep listen 
to his voice. He, he calls his own sheep by name. Like he knows you personally and he leads them out. The, the sheep follow him because they, they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. The shepherd, he leads, he guides, he invites you into this relationship where you know his voice. It's very intimate, it's very personal. So when he calls, you come running. When he, whenever someone else tries to, to imitate this false voice of your, your father, the, the good shepherd, we, we, we don't listen because we, our ears have been trained to the voice of God. Psalm 23, three says, he guides me. He leads, he guides me on right paths, bringing honor to his, his name. The good shepherd leads. He, he won't take you down wrong paths. I mean, we've all taken some wrong paths, but whenever we follow the good shepherd, he guides us in right paths, bringing honor to his name. It's good for you and brings him, brings him glory. The fourth observation is that the shepherd supports, the good shepherd supports. Uh, here, here's something I've been dealing with in my own life. I've been trying to get a hold of IRS for several weeks now uh, to get some stuff cleared up on my, my taxes. And so I don't know if you ever tried to get a hold of the IRS, but, but you call this number. And, and like, you know, like if the IRS needs to get a hold of you, like they're going to get a hold of you. Uh, but if, if you try to get a hold of them, like it's this automated process. Like I sit on hold for like 45 minutes, clicking buttons, trying to get the help I need only to say like, hey, th literally this is what happens. They say, uh, we'll, we'll connect you to the next available agent. Pause. All agents are currently busy. Please try again later during business hours or on another business day. Click. 45 minutes. Like I've done this several times just trying to get some help from the IRS. Uh, there's this New York Times article, this 86-year-old this lady, she wrote this letter to the bank. The bank manager found it uh, so impressive uh, that she sent it to the New York Times and, and they published it in the New York Times. Here's what it said. Dear sir, I am writing to thank you for bouncing my check, which I endeavored to pay my plumber last month. By my calculations, there were three nanoseconds that have elapsed between his cashing the check and my deposit. You are to be commended for seizing that brief window of opportunity and also debiting my account $30 for the inconvenience caused to your bank. I noticed that while I personally answer your calls and letters, when I contact you, I am confronted with the impersonal, overcharging, pre-recorded, faceless entity that your bank has become. From now on, I, like you, will choose to deal with a flesh and blood person. My mortgage and loan payments will therefore no longer be automatically drafted, but I will, uh, but will arrive at your bank by check, addressed personally to an employee whom you must nominate. Uh, beware that it is an offense under the Postal Act for any person to open such letter other than the person you choose. In due course, uh, at my convenience, I will issue your employee a PIN number, which he, she must quote in dealing with me. I regret that it cannot be shorter than 28 digits, but again, I've modeled the number of button presses required to access my account balance on your phone service. As they say, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Signed, your humble client. And the postscript is the best. He writes, P.S., don't, uh, don't make old people mad. <laughs> we don't like being old in the first place. And so it doesn't take much to take us off. 
but some people get this image of God like he's like that. He's this faceless entity like the IRS. He's this distant, uh, cold service like our, our big banks have become. Like he, sure, whenever he needs us, we're at his beckoning, but, but whenever we need him, he puts us on hold. Maybe he has us hang up only to try again at a later date. But you just need to know that's not true of the good shepherd. The good shepherd is close. He's personal. He's always willing to support and help where help is needed. John 10, 14 through 15 says this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know, I, I know my own sheep and they know me. There's personal relationship here. Just as my father knows, knows me and I know my father. Not only do I know them, not only do I support them, but I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He's not gonna put you on hold. Listen, if he's willing to lay down his life for you, don't you think he'd be able to help you? Don't you think he'd be willing to support you? Don't you think he'd be willing to step in in your moment of need? Sometimes people let us down and we project that experience onto God, but that is not true of the good shepherd. Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17, these words, he says, no one came to my support. Like I was looking for support, no one came, but everyone deserted me but the Lord stood by my side. He was close and gave me strength. He desires for you to know him in that way. The psalmist put it this way, Psalm 23, four, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because he's there to support. I, for you, you're close, you're close beside me. Uh, I'm excited on, on campus today where we're having a car show. And uh, some of you, I don't know if you guys like, like nice cars, fancy cars, but there's gonna be some, some cars on campus today. If, if you're in person, I'd love for you to check it out. But it reminds me of this, this counseling session that this counselor was having with this couple. And uh, he started the counseling session. They're, they're obviously having some disagreements. They're coming to him for some help before just throwing in the towel. And the counselor asked him, he says, hey, tell me, tell me what you love about each other. Like when you're first dating, what was one of your favorite things that you guys did together? And the wife thought, for a moment, and, uh, and she said, you know, it sounds kind of weird, but uh, my husband's really into cars. And uh, one thing I would love to do is on Sunday afternoons, we'd just go cruising. And he, he'd turn up the radio, and sometimes we'd talk, but sometimes we just didn't even have to talk. We just felt so close. And I'd slide over, and he'd put his arm around me, and we'd just go for Sunday drives. And it was, it was awesome, but that's the thing of the past. We don't, we don't do that anymore. And the husband spoke up and he said, you know what, babe, I, it's one of my favorite memories too. But you know what? I, I never moved. And sometimes our relationship with God is like that. He's never moved, but sometimes we move. And we're, we're saying, God, where are you? God, I thought, I thought you were supposed to be close, but we've repositioned ourselves to be distant from him. And I'm just saying, you serve the God, the good shepherd. He supports, he longs for a relationship with you. And if you've, you've run away from him or if you slid over into the other seat, he desires for you to slide back and be very close. Uh, and he's gonna open his arms to you when he comes, when you, when you, you turn back to him. I love these words in, in, in Luke 15. It, he's talking to this group of religious leaders. They're like, hey, why are you hanging out with sinners? Why are you hanging out with people who don't even know God? And he tells them the story about a shepherd and his sheep. And he says, 
says this, this. He, then he told him this, this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a 100 sheep and he loses just one. One slides over into the other seat. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And check this out. And when he finds it, he, he's not gonna be mad at you. He's not waiting to blast you. He joyfully puts him on their shoulders. He carries the weight of that individual. He carries the burden of that individual. He put, joyfully puts him on his shoulder, goes home and he calls his friends. Check this out. Together, hey, check it out. You gotta rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And I tell you in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, who's going the wrong direction and turns back to God. They slide over to be close once again. More rejoicing in heaven over the one than over the 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. You just need to know the good shepherd. He longs to provide support. He longs to be close to you. Listen, when my kids are hurting, they don't need less of me. They need more of me. And some of you, perhaps you've really blown it and the enemy is just playing tricks on your mind, making you think God would never want anything to do with you ever again. We need to recognize that as a lie. You have a good heavenly father and he recognizes that you need more of him in this season, not less of him. When my kids feel shame, when my kids feel guilt, I know as a dad, as a father, it's time for me to draw draw near. And I just believe the heavenly father's trying to draw near to some of you today. And he's not mad at you. He's going to joyfully pick you up, rejoice over you in heaven and bring you back into his care. He is the good shepherd. Fifth observation, the good shepherd defends. The good shepherd, he defends. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, I had this, we had this guy, it was in the middle of the night, Tiffany was out at a meeting, I was there with the kids and it was, they, they were already in bed and, and I get this notification on my phone, the security cameras, that there's someone on our front porch and I look and this, it's the shape of this big man all in black and he's on my front porch in the middle of the night, not ringing the doorbell, just wandering around on my on my porch. And so I'm thinking, do I get the shotgun? Like, what do I, what do I, so I just grab a bat and I go to the front porch. And by the time I get to the porch, uh, he's at my neighbor's porch. And so I yell at him and just gently encourage him to leave as pastors do. Um, but the next morning, my daughter saw the bat by the door and she heard Tiffany and I talking about what, what happened. And she, she looked and she goes, whoa, daddy got the bat? Well, daddy protect us. And I was like, you're freaking right, I do. Like, come on my porch again. See, no, I pastored him, pastored him down the street. But, but it brought comfort to her because she knows that daddy, the shepherd of the house, defends. And Psalm 23, 4 has that same imagery. It says your, your rod and your staff, they, they protect, they comfort and you know that the good shepherd, he's, he's, he's a God who defends us. He takes up your cause. He sees what took place and whatever unjust things happen, he brings justice to those areas of our life. The, the, the rod and the staff were always viewed as, as comforting, sometimes for correction, sometimes for guidance, but always for your good. Interesting, a lot of people don't think of God this way, but Exodus 15, three, the Lord declares something about him and it says, the Lord, he's a warrior, 
I don't know if you view God that way. Yes, he's gentle. Yes, he's kind. Yes, he's the good shepherd. But when needed, he'll grab a bat. He'll grab the rod. He'll grab the staff. The Lord's a warrior. The Lord is his name. And I don't know about you, but I find a whole lot of comfort here. Because sometimes I want to try to defend myself. Sometimes when people falsely say things about me that I never even did, I never even said. And I feel like, I need to, let me just set the record straight. I just have to remind myself, no, 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 the Lord, then the Lord's a warrior. My, I got a good shepherd. He's got my back. He'll protect me. He'll protect my reputation. He'll protect my family. Like he, he, he's good. He's, he's got my back. He'll fight my battles for me. John 10, 11 says the good shepherd, he defends so much. He's willing to lay down. I lay down my life for the sheep. He's a good shepherd. Finally, last characteristics. We're going to talk about the good shepherd. Number six, the good shepherd, he blesses. And I love this. He blesses. He speaks blessing over his sheep. Psalm 23, 5 says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me anointing my head with oil, my cup, it overflows with blessing. And no doubt this psalmist, David, he, he finds comfort in his faith. He, he mentions God anointing his head with oil, which would have been a reference probably to his anointing with oil as king of Israel, but, but also the pouring of oil on, on sheep. And it's something the shepherd does because a modern day shepherd, Philip Keller, he, he talks about how flies are such a huge challenge to sheep, especially nasal flies would buzz around the, the sheep's head and, and try to lodge in the, the moist area of their nose to lay eggs. Like, think about the discomfort of that. I mean, that's, that's crazy irritating. When I think about, it makes me want to rub my nose right now, as a matter of fact, just thinking about it. But I guess, I guess having anything lodged in your nose would be super uncomfortable. So, so whenever the sheep see a swarm of flies, they begin to freak out. They, they begin to, to dodge and they, they run away. They'll, some even go to the extreme of like killing themselves to get away from these, these flies. And so how, how did they deal with this? Well, the shepherd would smear oil on the, the nose and the nostrils, but especially pour oil over the head of the sheep to keep the flies Away, And after the oil was poured on the, the sheep, the entire demeanor would change. This, this very concerned, very ecstatic and, and freaked out sheep would all of a sudden calm down, mellow out, lay down, experience peace. And sometimes flies come our way and they're nasty and they're flies of fear and worry and anxiety, being in crowded spaces, fear of the future, anxious about a variety of topics. But let's lean into the good shepherd today and allow him to, to calm you and pour oil on your wounds and calm your spirit and allow him to speak, speak blessing over our lives. And I love this next verse, verse six. It says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. The imagery here is, is chasing, like it's, it's running after us. Like there's, there's goodness, there's unfailing love, like God is pursuing with good things. Pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I thought it was appropriate on this Father's Day to remind us of this biblical principle uh, that we see throughout the Bible of just speaking blessings over people, especially for dads, especially for father figures to speak blessings over people that we, we love and we care about. And 
And probably the most vivid place that we, we read about this act of speaking blessing over people is in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through, through 27. And it's God, he gives instructions to the spiritual leaders of Israel, to Aaron and his sons. And he, it, it says this, it says, The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to, to bless the people of Israel using this blessing. And I want to just speak this over you today as well. It says, may the Lord bless you protect you. May the Lord smile on you. May he be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And God says something very supernatural happens whenever the leaders would speak blessing over the people of Israel. Verse 27 says, whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. I'm just saying there is power of life and death in your tongue. People you care about, your coworkers, your family, your friends, the words you share, bless them. And God says, hey, whenever you bless them, I'm gonna put my blessing on them. Very interesting. I don't fully understand it, to be honest, but I know I want it. I want it for my life. I want it for you. I want it for our church. I want it for our, my, my kids. So every night, I, I, whenever I put them to bed, Tiffany puts them to bed sometimes, and we take turns with which one we're putting to bed, and depending on the meetings and schedules, all those things, we, we're, we're real people, we experience real life. But whenever I do, I just try to, try to let them know how much I, I love them, how proud I am of them, how God has plans and purposes for their lives, and just try to speak blessing over them. I love this blessing. There's another blessing found in the Bible in Hebrews, in Hebrews 13, and I want to read this over you again because it talks about our good shepherd and how he blesses. And it starts with this. Uh, may, may the God of peace, through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the, the great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever, and let it be so. Amen. Dads, parents, father figures, spiritual leaders, thanks for how you reflect the good shepherd and embody some of these characteristics we, we talked about today. And I know some of you, you don't, you don't have a dad. Maybe you don't have an example to follow. But all of us can reflect the good shepherd. And isn't it nice to know that Jesus is the good shepherd? When we face challenges in life, he steps in and helps. He desires to be personal to you so that you'd be able to say with the psalmist, the Lord, the creator of the universe, Yahweh, he's my shepherd because I know him and I know all he is, I know all he does, I know I have all that I need. Because when you have the good shepherd, you need to know you have this, the, the God who provides. The shepherd, he, the good, he's gonna restore your soul. He leads, supports, defends, he blesses. What more do you need? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all my, I need. One response, one action step today. Here's my hope for you, here's my prayer. I hope you, hope you grasp this for everyone listening. Know the shepherd. Just get to know him more. 
that you'd be able to say all those things are true of you. Psalm 23 wouldn't just be a scripture that you read, but it'd be, it'd be something that you'd say, no, 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 that's my experience with Jesus. I know him on that level. Because Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for the invitation to know you. We thank you, Jesus, for the personal invitation to make you our shepherd. And when we know you, God, when we experience you on that level, we also come to this realization that, that oh God, you're all we need. So Father, I pray for all, all the dads listening to this, watching this, maybe feeling very insufficient at this moment. God, may they rely on you, the good shepherd. God, I pray for all the single moms watching this, wishing today a painful reminder of what's perhaps lacking in their kid's life. God, I pray you'd shore them up and you'd remind them that you are the good shepherd. You care for their kids more than they do. God, I pray, God, for, for all of us, whether we, we have kids or not, that we would just know you as the good shepherd. God, may you calm all our fears. God, I pray for those listening right now that you remove all the shame. That God, you'd free them from guilt. And they'd step into sonship knowing that you'd leave the 99 to pursue them. That God, they'd be confident in their call, knowing they're a daughter of you, son of you, and that you care for them, you shepherd them. Jesus, I pray you'd do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.